And as we step forward, now the Premier League clubs have also voted unanimously today to resume contact training. Now that is something which makes it more likely that the season can start pretty soon. Now the 20 teams made a tentative return to their training grounds practicing social distancing last week. Uh, They can now train as a group. Uh, They can actually tackle each other. And continuing to minimize any unnecessary close contact. And this could lead to a mid to late June restart. A lot has happened today. But uh, to tell us a little bit more, a person who's got his finger on the pulse here, AP Global Sport correspondent Rob Harris joins me on the line. Rob, thank you so much for your time. Good evening. Welcome to Marawa Sports Worldwide. Good evening. Always good to speak to you. Hope all is well there. Yeah, we're trying. We're just getting into the coldest part of, well, the start of our winter here in South Africa. So, yeah, it's, it's about to get real, Rob. Um, it is starting to freeze. I think it's about two or one degree in Johannesburg right now. Uh, but yeah, things are, are bound to get worse. I don't know about you on that side yeah. of the world. How are you keeping? It's actually what we'd call a heat wave, actually, at times. It's approaching mid-20s uh, Celsius, which uh, is hot for, for England. It's uh, getting warmer as well as, uh, um, as the weeks go on, but as the lockdown is eased as well, as we're allowed to go out and about a bit more. I think people are very careless with the lockdown easing, Rob. I don't know what the observations are. I've seen uh, footage coming through from that side of the world. I've seen footage coming through from America, people going to beaches as if nothing's ever happened. I'm not too sure if people think that this kind of overnight disappeared. I don't know what your take is. Yeah, I mean, but there is some confusion as well. I mean, even just now, actually, Prime Minister Boris Johnson has just been questioned by MPs and has been asked, why are we in England told to stay two metres apart, whereas actually some of the international guidance is you only need to be one metre apart. So we do have a stricter social distancing than uh, in some other countries. I'm sure what, what exactly you have there. Uh, and there's another technical issue, actually, when you see some of these pictures from the beaches. It's a depth of field on the camera lens, so people can appear to be closer than they are, but perhaps aren't. But, you know, it does look like once the lockdown has been eased and people are being allowed out about onto beaches, that uh, people are sort of rushing out straight away to sort of particularly take advantage of the sun. But, you know, the concern is obviously over a potential uh, new spiking cases. Yeah, I think reinfection is always a big, big problem as well, uh, Rob, when you look at it overall. But just coming back to the story, though, we've been tracking this ever since uh, we were told the other day that uh, we, we, we're going to be waiting to hear what the clubs say. Are they going to be unanimous in their decision and what the decision is? Just take us through these significant developments from today. Yeah, well, what we've had today is yet another of the conference calls by the Premier League clubs, and this was all about agreeing the next phase in the return to training. So just over a week ago, the team resumed partial non-contact training in small groups, but with five players or fewer. At the weekend, the government has given approval for training to be expanded through all sorts of sports teams, and particularly that's going to allow this contact, while, of course, social distancing is being uh, encouraged. You know, there will be tackling and that sort of thing now coming into training, but they are still trying to sort of ask players and teams to try to limit some of the um, contact if necessary. And ultimately, this is all about trying to resume the Premier League, which should come, as you mentioned in the introduction, 
sometime in the second half of June. And at the heart of all this is regular COVID-19 testing. And later today, we should get hopefully the results of the third wave of testing of uh, players and coaches from all 20 teams. And what about the players, though? Because we've seen in the recent time the likes of uh, the Chelsea midfielder Angolo Kante as well as uh, Troy Deeney uh, standing up for their rights and saying that, you know, they, they don't want to be a part of this. They don't want to be part of these training protocols. They're very concerned about coronavirus and what that could do, especially uh, to the young ones within the household. What's the latest around just individual players and their take on these proposals? Yeah, I mean, there are concerns among players over that return to training. You've got Troy Dean, the Watford captain, who's got a young son at home with breathing difficulties, and he doesn't want to do anything that could potentially risk infecting him. And then there is the far wider uh, public analysis and discussion over just why it seems that uh, black and ethnic minority people do seem to have a higher rate of infection in the country, and what that potentially can be down to and it's something that we've heard a lot from within the football world as well that uh, you know that heightens the risk in terms of returning to training while you know they're trying to work out you know scientifically the, the assessment of the rates um, of, of infection and you know you can see why so many players don't want to do anything that could potentially cause harm to any members of their families. Horelio Gomez, the Watford goalkeeper, has been talking to my colleagues as well, saying he thinks it's too soon to be returning to play while that risk is still there. And, but the meetings continue, though, Rob. Uh, I, I know today was one session. They're trying to get football back on. Uh, but I do believe, though, that there's going to be a follow-up meeting on Thursday. Now, this is a bit of a strange one uh, because my understanding is that on Thursday there's going to be contingency plans talks uh, around the awarding of the title, but also uh, what happens if the season had to be curtailed. So you've got to talk plans about relegation, etc. Yeah, this is an interesting one. A couple of weeks ago when the Premier League Chief Executive, Richard Masters, was holding a conference call with uh, us journalists, he suddenly drops in the fact that in that meeting that day, they had started to discuss plans that if the season had to be curtailed. And that was the first time it had come up in the meeting. He mentioned that against the backdrop of the clubs being in dispute over how games be played, where they'll be played, in terms of this plan that was pushed for mutual venues that was opposed by clubs. So... What he could be seen to be doing there is suggesting, look, if you don't come to some sort of consensus over how we conclude the season, there's a risk that actually we have to stop it now. And obviously for teams in the relegation zone, they might not then get the chance to climb out. For teams chasing Champions League, they might not get the, the ability to try to catch their rivals. So they have actually kept that on the table as a potential option. Also, of course, in case there is a, an upsurge in cases that leaves the government to reimpose forms of lockdown so that will be one of the things discussed we expect in the meeting tomorrow but at the same time they are pushing forward towards the resumption and they're going to be discussing potential scheduling of games obviously the fact no fans can go means you can space them out more for television purposes also because obviously fans is not needed to fit around their travel movements as well to get to the stadiums and the issue of social distancing is really one uh, that bothers a lot of people, saying that if you are to social distance in a, a parking lot, but you make uh, contact on the field, uh, aren't you just in one fell swoop, almost contradicting your actions? I mean, it's that interesting thing, that, you know, the disconnect, how it's going to look to people 
watching on television in in England that players mm-hmm. allowed to get close and while of course in wider society you're still being urged to maintain your distance. You know, what might help with that is the fact that government have already announced in the last few days that as of the middle of June, department stores will be back open and you know, you, you will be able to go out shopping. You know, we still don't have things like hairdressers open or you know, um, gyms and things like that. But you know, the government very much believes that bringing the Premier League back is going to be some lift to the nation and some, you know, sense of normality returning. But um, you know, you see it in Germany when the substitutes are sitting apart uh, on the bench, yet on the pitch you've got players going um, all at it. So there are those sort of differing signals being sent out. But maybe in part, actually. It's about public messaging and needing to encourage this health message in terms of trying to stay apart where you can in society and in the place. I mean, th- these contradictions just uh, keep spelling themselves out here, Rob, because w- w- when they say squads are able to train as a group and also engage in tackling while minimizing any unnecessary close contact, I that's, for me, the, one of the most confusing sentences because... You can't be engaging in tackling, uh, but also uh, trying to minimize any unnecessary close contact. Because you've got to be within close contact to be able to put out a tackle. You're not going to be tackling from two meters away and somebody subliminally falls or uh, acts like they, they got the boot on their ankle or something like that. So they, you can tell that they're trying to play with words while still trying to get football back to what we normally know football as. And it's when they try to cover themselves legally. Something very interesting happened last week, actually. Yeah. The former uh, player, Robbie Savage, actually got a question in at the Daily Downing Street News Conference uh, with journalists. He's a columnist on the newspaper. And he was asking about when are, play- when are footballers at the grassroots level going to be allowed to resume playing? Because there are so many um, people who like to play football, obviously, recreationally. He was pointing out the mental health issue because people have that togetherness. They want to be part of a team. So you also know while we're focused on the Premier League and, and the professional league resuming, what about those grassroots players? And one of the government top medical advisors suggested that might only be possible with changes to the game. Now, we're discussing now about sure. how you change training. The government advisor is suggesting can you change the game itself, which seems absolutely, you know, implausible, although you, you do get in rugby, they're talking about potential uh, changes to things like the scrum. But, um, yeah, I suppose one thing in training you could do is just limit the number of uh, um, training drills you do for corners, where you're all crowded into a penalty area, you're not sort of all crowded in the corners and swing it in. But, yeah, it's very hard to, to, to completely set up sessions that avoid contact. The main thing would be limiting the amount of time you're spending together on the training pitch to, uh, keeping that very tight which obviously limits the uh, potential to being close proximity yeah 100% uh, I think there's validity in terms of that because when you're looking at uh, uh, players that are trying to defend a, a set piece uh, near the box for example you usually line up and they tug at each other so that the wall is formed and there's no gap in those walls right now I, I don't see that being a, a possibility as well Rob I don't know if they've gone into further detail and just in terms of issues of that nature that require the players to be closer together for the sake of defending a goal well, actually, you mentioned that almost uh, there was some pressing decision making by the International Football Association board just over a year ago when, of course, they banned 
defenders from being part of the wall for free kicks. So only attacking players could be in it. So that naturally introduced social distancing already long before it was ever a term. But I think what we've seen from Germany so far, we've had um, two weekends um, of action. We're partway through the third round of midweek games. And certainly there's been no sign of announcements of, of any players from the Bundesliga being infected with COVID-19. And that will obviously be offering some encouragement, the fact that the league has resumed seemingly without uh, infections spreading. And that is the, you know, one of the big questions as well that still exists, which is what happens if one player on a team does get infected, test positive? What happens to the rest of the team? And certainly the belief around the Premier League is the hope that you don't have to have a whole squad self-isolating. All right, Robert, I believe there are a couple of voice notes that have come through. I think questions directed at you um, regarding what we're we chatting about. Let's uh, listen to one or two of them. Marawa, it's Lemmy from Newcastle. I just want to check whether the decision that was taken today, was it a, a unanimous decision taken by players or by management? Because that will be a problem. And it raise eyebrows whether is it business, a business decision, or is it a decision that takes into account the lives of players. Thank you. Uh, good evening to both of you, Robs. Um, this is a CEO from APE. Firstly, it's great that the Premier League um, is is taking a step further for 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 us to watch them. I'm a Manchester City fan, so my question will be related to Manchester City, though it's not about going back to the Premier League, but it's about the UEFA, a case versus Manchester City. Um, what does your guest, Rob, think about the chances of Manchester City winning the case? And secondly, uh, has UKS and, and Manchester City said anything if the case will be on Zoom or they will go there personally because I think if they go there personally, they, have, they, they stand a chance of winning. And we know we have more than 10 lawyers as Manchester City. And, and secondly, I haven't heard anything about FA Cup because there were rumours that FA Cup might be abandoned. So any idea on that? See ya from APE. Mr. Marawa, good evening. Uh, Ngolo Kante, and the dean when they don't want to train they want to train on their own it's a very good thing because this kind of people if they get contact the coronavirus it's not easy for them to heal because mr Marau, then you know they won't even have that confidence and believe that they can be healed and if we force them to resume training with others we will be killing them so they must be let alone train alone this is Moses Mukwena of Hamukokwaila. Thank you, Mr. Marawa. There are people who have pocketed um, sponsorship money at Prarobs. They have to get the game back. They have to get the players back into playing. So, hey. So, at the end of the day, the players' lives are being risked. I hope here in South Africa, we, uh, I mean, uh, we are not pressurized by the sponsors and we do the right thing. Uh, 
suspend play until um, it's very safe to do so. Otherwise, man, I really don't know. But I don't think the soccer fraternity is ready for the consequences of this. All right, thank you so much indeed for those uh, voice notes. Uh, Rob, maybe just a quick recap on some of them. Uh, Lemmy was talking about it being a unanimous uh, decision uh, by the players or by management. I think we touched on that very briefly at the top. Or was it just a purely a business decision? Maybe if we just uh, quickly recap on who took a decision and whether it was unanimous. It was a very personal question, actually, that, because the business focus of this decision has been something really um, scrutinised in recent weeks because some executives and clubs in the Premier League have said, yes, in part it is a business decision because they need to um, fulfil these television contracts worth billions of pounds and there's still several hundred million uh, um, dollars worth outstanding this season and there still could be a rebate because of changes to the format. As for the decision today, we're told it was unanimous. All 20 clubs uh, did agree on it. And the people who took the decision are ultimately the chief executive or the chairman uh, who were on the call. So definitely purely a business decision. Sia is a big Manchester City fan. Uh, talking about the possibility of winning the case and whether or not uh, it's going to be conducted on Zoom or will they be there personally? Any latest on that one, Rob? Yes, and now we know the appeal at the Court of Arbitration for Sport will start on June the 8th. There's a new system at CAS where you can have these hearings in public if both sides agree, so you can have a live stream of it, potentially. This won't be the case on this Manchester City appeal. Now, it's obviously this is such a huge issue around February, March, which has gone quieter during the, the pandemic, but ultimately, as it stands, of course, um, fifth place will be the one that gets the fourth Champions League spot because Manchester City sitting um, in second place will miss out. So that does benefit Manchester United. Manchester United obviously needing the case to go against City as it stands. What can help City succeed at CAF? They're going to have to probably either find fault in the process, question the legitimacy of the evidence used because it came from evidence from internal correspondence that was gained what they would say illicitly so you know that's a key part of it and this isn't necessarily of course about Manchester City and you know their compliance with the uh, profit and loss but actually did they deceive you so were there mechanisms financially taking place particularly in Abu Dhabi between companies linked to their ownership that were all about masking the real source of income because financial fair play ultimately is about limiting the amount of um, money that an, an owner can pump into a club, and you've got to rely on natural income that you do generate yourself. So anything that was shown to be somehow linked back to income from any entity linked to the ownership would be against financial fair play. Mm. Obviously, now it's quite curious to be talking about this because we're talking about the threat to many businesses and football clubs um, around Europe and trying to cope with the lack of revenue from fans and whether or not UEFA has to relax financial fair play to allow investment from the owners to, to just even save some clubs. It's going to be going on, I can tell you that. FA Cup, though, any news about it being abandoned or was that just all rumours? They will be delighted at the FA headquarters at Wembley to be hearing questions about what's happened to the FA Cup in South Africa because <laughs> so much of the discussion around England is often, does anyone really care about the FA Cup anymore? Has it lost its uh, appeal? And 
obviously this is a sign that shows there is still that interest uh, in the FA Cup uh, unless uh, you're a fan of one of the eight teams remaining um, the FA Cup the plan is the FA still want to try to resume it and um, Wembley is the option they're due to host obviously the semi-finals and the finals anyway so there's just those additional four games in the quarter-finals to complete but yeah certainly the FA wants to complete it financially it's not as significant for English football in terms of top clubs overall because the rights are worthless but the, but the finance the key for the FA and ultimately that does filter down the footballing pyramid and fund things like grassroots and, and all sorts of projects but yeah the intention is still to try to complete it uh, and obviously particularly for fans of uh, you know, Norwich and Newcastle um, you know Sheffield United teams that aren't used to reaching finals that'll be uh, certainly one they'll be um, hoping is uh, the case yeah, Moses uh, raised the issue of his, just on the back of what we spoke about regarding Golakante as well as uh, Troy Dini, uh, saying that uh, you know they need to just be left alone because uh, you know their feelings need to be respected overall, and, and and that's usually the case though, Rob, where these big business decisions that are taken, um, and then the players feel obligated uh, to go out there and play but then you do get those who are very vocal about it like a Troy Deeney uh, who says absolutely not he's not going to be keen to do this do you find that there's more of a support from the player side or the players just basically uh, going with whatever the direction and directive is that has been given yeah you've got to have a confidence to be able to take a different path from perhaps what your teammates are doing if you really do believe it's a health issue and the Watford manager Nigel Pearson did certainly say that he respects Troy Deeney's decision and there's been no sense in public at least of clubs speaking out and demanding their players are returned to training that way realising obviously what a, an unprecedented situation it is obviously one of the challenges for players particularly at the moment is those who have contracts expiring on June the 30th as well in terms of whether you expand, extend those in some way and, and what decision you make over your, you know, your future direction in terms of trying to seek a move and we're still not too sure what's happening to the transfer window. But I think ultimately there is a real sense here that this is an unprecedented situation and it's a decision about whether you yourself feel uh, you're exposing yourself to health risks or indeed you're exposing any of your families to. It's why so many of these presentations to the players, captains, managers from the Premier League have focused on offering those assurances about the uh, hygiene conditions being being put in place, the COVID-19 testing being taken place regularly to try to spot any cases that are in and around teams. But uh, it's going to be a very strictly controlled medical environment for some time, and that's going to be necessary around teams. I think the final message uh, or voice note that came through, Rob, also just to spoke about what we mentioned a short while ago. Uh, maybe we'll wrap up with that one, saying that people who've uh, uh, pocketed sponsorship money uh, are the ones that are driving the return back uh, to football. And I suppose it's not wrong because you've also said, I've also said on, on, on many different occasions that uh, it shouldn't always be about those that are driving the financials. Uh, people's lives, players' lives also need to be taken into account but it does seem more than most though Rob that uh, it is about sponsorship it's about the television rights uh, monies that are out there and how much would potentially be lost uh, if football did not continue yeah I mean there's so many ramifications if we can't complete the season in terms of the contracts I mean you could look at a different situation like France where they have curtailed the season now for them it would look important to start next season as soon as possible because the TV rights value actually go much higher 
from next season. So, you know, you could look at it and say, ensuring there isn't a threat to next season is a, is a crucial thing. At the same time, though, the Premier League have actually also said they don't want to, you know, they want to try to minimise the effect of next season. They do want to try to get next season underway by September rather than impacting multiple seasons from this. But um, ultimately, it can look quite corporate. It can look like money-driven. But those finances are needed not only to pay the players, but so many staff around the club, hundreds of staff at at, um, some of the big clubs in particular. So there are livelihoods at stake way beyond the pitch that, you know, do make trying to complete the season necessity to ensure that money does come in. And then there's the the wider community effect, all the support um, systems and all the businesses linked to football clubs. And the fact fans won't be in potentially for some time, obviously also affects jobs, around football as well, all the things around ground, the staff needed. So, you know, so many clubs are at the heartbeat of the communities, particularly actually lower down the leagues, and there's so much concern about, the, you know, down into the third and fourth tiers where they can get thousands at each game. If they can't get fans in, it might affect their ability just to go and, and continue as uh, football clubs and as businesses. Rob, so much to talk about. Uh, I'm sure we'll touch base again on Thursday. We'll see what happens with the, a lot of the pronouncements. And if there's anything major, uh, we'll, we'll drop you a call. As always, I want to thank you so much indeed for always giving us lots of in-depth analysis on what has happened, especially now during these uh, very testing and trying times. Always good to speak and uh, keep well and uh, wish all the listeners well too. Stay strong, Rob. Always appreciated. AP is a global sports correspondent uh, joining us. Uh, Do follow him on social media at Rob Harris. Uh, He does give, sure, I don't know when this man rests, but works very, very, very hard indeed. And on top of his game with regards to all the news uh, from uh, around the world of sports and especially in football. And remember, I mean, on the 5th of March, he took a decision about uh, the pre-match handshakes being banned uh, in the Premier League. Uh, Then there was further meetings. On the 11th of March, where Man City as well as Arsenal uh, being the first uh, Premier League game that was suspended. Liverpool, Atletico Madrid, the last top-level game that was played in England. So if you look at the timeline, it really tells you how long the world has gone without much of the football that has been there. Uh, But in recent time, I think on the 18th Scottish Premier League, uh, 18th of May... Well, they curtailed with points per game determining the league positions and Celtic were named the champions. Uh, and then the following day on the 19th of May, the Premier League clubs returned to social distancing uh, group training. Uh, then on the 25th of May, the Women's Super League was cancelled with the title and relegation being determined. So 27th of May, Premier League clubs vote to resume contact training. So the big question now is, when will these games restart? They've proposed 12th of June, uh, but it doesn't seem like that will happen on the 12th of June. They're keeping it pretty flexible, uh, which is what they're talking about here.